Darkly, what a bad that effort. Leipzig comes through. He's got another one. Just add it to the reel. Liba. Welcome to the Salty Bulldog, the podcast that, unlike the footballers of today's age, need to use social media to prove they're 111% committed. My name is Matthew Donald. I have Nick Lear with me in the studio as I do every other week. And if this is the first time that you've tuned in to the Salty Bulldog this year, wherever you've joined us, however you've found us, and make sure to check out all of our other outlets where we uh, display all of our content. You can search for our podcast, the Salty Bulldog on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts these days. You can also check out our social media pages, such as Twitter at the Salty Bulldog. Search us on Facebook and YouTube for the Salty Bulldog. Instagram, the.salty.bulldog. You can check that out as well. And we've also got our website, www.thesaltybulldog.weeksite.com forward slash home. Nicola, this is a different episode today because we're actually coming off a defeat. We're not, we're not used to defeats this year. We are used to them being you know, Bulldog supporters in general, but it's a bit of a different feel this week. It is, but it strangely is not exactly disappointing per se. I'll probably just start on a different note. Hello to everyone right there, and hello to yourself, Matt. But um, finishing my point there, how did how did you feel actually after the game? Was it a, a sense of annoyance, disappointments, not realization, but ironically saying that's okay? You know, still in a good good position, still in a, in a good way to, to attack the year. These things happen. I don't subscribe to the idea and a lot of people sort of floated it about the idea of, of it's a loss we needed to have. I, I, I'll, I never, never really believe that you don't need to lose. No, no it's just I like the saying, you need to, it's like the saying, you know, you need to technically lose a grand final before you win one. That's no. utter rubbish in that sense. And who wants to lose a grand final to no. get practice for anyone? Just win the, win the thing. Um, no, there are lessons, of course, that you can learn more from losses than you do sometimes in, in wins. You know, they can always sometimes cover up things. To yes, extent. absolutely. Um, That's true. It, it papering over the cracks. That's what we're yep. looking for. And I said, it probably goes back to the past couple of weeks, the, the Suns game and the, the Giants game, where I wasn't entirely convinced with both matches. And even though we won by 10 goals on the Suns game, I wasn't exactly pleased with how we played the game because I didn't think it was a finals brand or final style of football that we played that day. It seemed too, too freewheeling. And we obviously got caught out on occasions, especially that third term, which we'll allude to a bit later, of course. Um, what did you learn on a positive note? On a positive note, um, I learned that, you know, for the, the vast majority of, of the majority of the match that we were able to m- match it with the benchmark of the competition. I think the reigning premiers are always going to be the benchmark you know whether they've whether they're in a form slump or whether they've lost a, a couple of games here and there. They're always the benchmark. They're always the team to beat. And you know, I would say that you know probably in some ways our lead at halftime wasn't fully merited. I mean, Richmond missed a lot of opportunities, and they weren't difficult opportunities. Some of them either. Uh, we missed a couple as well. But I think I don't think our lead was. I don't think our, our lead was fully merited, the 19-point lead. Also, and I didn't mention this earlier, and I, I wanted to, when I was sort of walking away from the end of that match, from a negative point of view, it felt like a missed opportunity. It really felt like a missed opportunity because there's this, there's this side that's coming off a couple of bad, or well, coming off a bad game against uh, Melbourne. They've lost a few games already this year. They've got a few star players out. Admittedly, we do as well. But we had a lead at, at halftime. I felt like there was an opportunity there. And uh, I'm disappointed that we didn't take the most of it or make the most of it rather i thought we were it's quite a quite a meek third quarter it was a it was a it was what could have been a bit in the last quarter because we we were with them for most of it in that last term and we had a couple of chances um but yes i think that third quarter was the the one 
Yeah, we're going through here, of course, the first half we had seven uh, centre clearances to two, and then ultimately it flipped the other way around in, in the second half, three to eight. Uh, Liber had five of our seven in the first half, so a bit reliant on him there. You, you made a touch of that in your um, player ratings, and I definitely noted on that in my five things we learned. We also were able to acquire 133 uncontested possessions. You know, so we're on track for roughly our season average on that regard. And it had a good differential of about 22. Whereas in the second half, the Tigers were able to put the clamps on that and prevented our, our run and carry a fair bit. You know, we lost it at the source. Okay, We only had uh, 60 contested in the second half to their 74. So we got beaten yeah. at our own game. That's, that's, that's quite, that it's quite a comfortable margin in a half of football. Yeah. It's gone from a plus seven, sorry, a plus six swing in the first half, 67 to 61 contested ball, to a minus 14 overall in the second half, that is 60 to 74. Uh, I think the pressure ratings, I've got to double check these, but I believe the pressure ratings were around, um, I think we were deemed poor. Uh, I said, I don't, I don't get to watch it, a lot of it, but I'm just going by what's been uh, displayed out there in the media outlets. Yeah. So I think we were rated at uh, poor for 169. And Richmond weren't much better. They were only deemed apparently average. So they didn't exactly bring the heat, but we still wilted under it. Maybe that's lack of intensity in our matter. Maybe it's because we burnt ourselves out a fair bit at half time, you know, using or burning a lot of petrol tickets to acquire said lead. You mentioned that the 19 points wasn't exactly merited. We probably could have kicked an extra goal, maybe. Richmond probably could have kicked an extra two. At least an extra two. Let's just go through the raw yeah. numbers. Let's, let's draw back a bit. Let's go to the raw, the raw numbers. So the full, full time at the MCG Richmond, 11-11-77, Western Bulldogs, 7-13-55. Just the one multiple goal scorer for the, the Bulldogs. Norton kicked three goals straight. That's yet again uh, another performance where he's kicked multiple goals. He's one of only hey, three, one of yeah, only three players in the league after seven rounds to to manage that. He's with Taylor Walker and Matt Tabernard. Very nice. Randall. And since we're going on about multiple goals, we we'll might as well touch on this, uh, which we just found just uh, you know, 10 minutes ago, not even... So the last Western Bulldogs player before Aaron Norton kicked multiple goals in each of the first seven rounds of the AFL season, or VFL season if you want, uh, was our own Paul Hudson in 1998. So it's a while ago. Interestingly, yep, 569 days before Norton was even born. Um, so when when Paul Hudson statistic there. When Paul Hudson was kicking those goals, was was there anyone saying that he should be moved to centre half back? Have you got oh. have you got any uh, anything on that? Not at all, mate. Not at all. But what did he kick that year? He kicked 61. 60-something, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 61 in 98 and maybe 51 in... Yeah, here we go. I've got to double check this. Yep, 61 in 98 and 51 in 99. Unfortunately, all the remaining stats that I know of at AFL tables were only recorded from 1999 onwards. This is the the clean slate of it. So, you know, inside 50s, clearances, marks inside 50. But, you know, still... He was able to have 88 scoring shots in 23 games. That's not a bad season at all. Bit of pressure on Paul Hudson in terms of the goal kicker. But as a, in his own right, he's a very good footballer for a few clubs. I think, yeah. um, I think. well, he played for Hawthorne before he came across to the Bulldogs. 264 goals in he, 134 games. He actually came pretty close to a Brownlow one year as well, Paul Hudson. Uh, I will... Confirm that. Let me. I'll double let you know. So, 1991, he had 17 votes. Anyway, that's which required just, for that's, majority of his votes that year. Yeah, that that's probably might. Yeah, that might be for another time. That one um, potentially. Uh, so, Norton with the three goals. Scott, Bruce, Smith, and Shackey. That's that's Bailey Smith uh, and Shackey each getting a goal. Daniel led the way with 34 disposals. Probably his best game for the season. Jack McRae with another 30 disposals. So he closes to within 270 of the what? of the top 10 spot. Wasn't Dale, his best game this season, though. Wasn't his best game. No, it wasn't his best game, but he's, he's got another 30, so he's closing in. And there's something else that I was reading a bit about today as well, which I'll, I'll bring to your attention in a moment. Dale Smith and uh, Bailey Smith again, and Adam Trelaw, 27 disposals apiece. Now, we didn't. this was only brought to my attention today, but last week against the Giants, Adam Trelaw became the second fastest player to reach 5,000 career disposals. That is correct. And he did it in 178 games, I think it was, or 100 and... He was, he was what, 
173. The Pies. So he played no 173 all up before he joined us. Yeah, that's about right. I was seeing a lot of games that he played already. Yeah, so he's played this would be his 180th game just on the weekend, gone on the Friday night. And uh, McCray needs 328 disposals in so 13 games to match that, which is an average, I think, of about 27. Give, give me the numbers again, mate. Uh, Matt, please. Uh, 328 in 13. That is 25.23. So, yeah. Okay. Well, he that's can, to, he, gets that's that to, his, he gets that in his sleep pretty that's much. To, so that's, to, that's to match it in game. Uh, in game 179 and 180. Anyway, that's, mm-hmm. that's something to keep an eye on as well, as well as that top 10 um, berth. Uh, coaches votes as well. Just want to touch on that. Just the one this week, Dale got uh, one coach. Uh, Most one likely coming coaches. from beverage. Yeah. Well, Dale, I think, was probably best on ground at halftime, uh, I thought. 20 disposals, plenty of drive of halfback. Um, he, the, um, he, he, I think he gained. We got Al. Time honoured, six hundred and thirty-six metres gained. We love the statistic, don't yeah. we? Um, I think he's on about time on ground. He had five about, possessions, uh, three score involvements. So, and one of those score involvements was the kick from full back, which is beautiful uh, transition goal set up. So Aaron Norton at the other end, one into the other end in about twenty seconds. Really liking Dale off the half back line, and and someone said one of our favourites, the Salty Bulldog, Alex Doherty. Said that's the sort of those sort of kicks out defence. That's what's going to get him an all Australian uh, blazer. Mm. Are you, are you still you still needing convincing to... Nick? Oh, I like him. No, no, I like him. No, I like him down there. I'm just trying to wonder now because I'm trying to figure out a bit more because he does add a bit more. I said aerial prowess down back. We're not obviously playing him because of his marking per se, but it adds a bit more defensive edge to it than in comparison. Say what Johannesson might have. Down back, even if he adds a bit more run, that run has clearly vanished though this year. Mm-hmm. So, but it seems interesting. You compare a lot of our halfback options and nowadays, anyways. You've got Jure, you've got Daniel, you've got Williams, and now you've got Dale. And what do you Crozier. notice? And Crozier too, of course. What do you notice is very similar about all five of those? What is it that they're willing to do? They were willing to do. Um, That's right. It's not, nothing yeah, too tricky. No. Well, is it, is right, it, would it just be? Would it just be to take on the the difficult kick? Thank you. They're willing to pull that trigger on such a kick. Um, you know, unfor- it's not unfortunate, all- mm-hmm. unfortunately, that that extends to, to players who might not necessarily be best kicks of the of the football. Mm. Nick, and I'm, I'm looking sometimes, at sometimes. I'm looking at one at half back who's got an even number on his. On his guarantee, yeah. but uh, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about him in a in a bit. We'll talk about a, a few mm. plays in a bit because there there's a because what I wanted to do was I, I wanted to stay away from ranting and raving about every every mm. player under the sun, everything they did. Because I think you would have done so, you would have done so on the Friday nights, but you wanted to just uh, relax and turn it down. So yeah, give you big props for that. I've I've entered in a, in a more Mm. Well, or, or rather, not in a private scene, but certainly in a less public one. So with uh, you, with you took you it out and, on the Macca's chips, mate. I think. Pretty yeah. Much. What and, else did you have on the Friday night? I don't even remember. No, nah, well, uh, no, nah, well, I just I just took it out mostly on on you guys. So yourself and a couple of other salty bulldog regulars, Jason and uh, Brad. Notice notice that we didn't beat Richmond, and, and that's why Jason's not in today. It, was, it would have been just far too unbearable, I'm afraid. Uh, so. Congratulations, Jason. But I'm, I'm sorry, we, we just can't deal with you after Richmond of one. It's it's not. Nah. We can't especially, deal with you full stop at times. And anyway. sometimes it's too tricky to meet him on occasions, especially uh, for top, an top hour, lane, top lane. an hour of it. Um, mm. So I I took away because I wanted I wanted to just sort of cool off so I could be level headed in my thoughts and my views, and also to let perspective set it because regardless of how disappointing Friday night was, we're we're still six and one. Which you know we would have taken at the start of the season without a shadow of a doubt. Sink second on the ladder, only one game behind Melbourne. I don't have any problems with with where we're at at the moment. Let Melbourne and Richmond be the the ones, and oh, never never go against the Tigers and oh, all of all the D train raise hell, all that sort of stuff. We'll just sit, we'll just sit very quietly in the, the line. I have no problems with this because in 2016 we had our big grudge match against the uh, the champs, the Challengers v Champs, and we lost that one in the home and away season as well. And the best part is we didn't lose our captain uh, on Friday night either. Uh, I've got no, what did you, I like what what did you make of his game though? Because 
not forget forget the the shot he missed okay okay because the people you know pinpoint to that moment well i think i, I but, don't think you can forget it because it makes such a no, big no, difference it's hard to it is hard to forget that but it wasn't a typical Bontempelli game, wasn't it? That you know, what did he have? Twenty-six touches, but you clearly see that a lot of them were um, under a fair bit of duress, and he seemed more frustrated. I've had a friend point that out to me a bit, and the more that I think about it, he's, he's arguably correct. It seemed like it was a more um, angry Bontempelli, and not one that was able to to put forward that aggression in a positive manner. It seemed like he was internally venting, you know, uh, displaying a lot of frustration, not to his teammates, but at himself, not simply for the for the misset shot, but it just seemed like not a lot of things were were working for him on the night. Now, whether that's his teammates not compl- entirely supporting him to allow him to get into the game properly, you know, shepherding, blocking, those types of things you see at stoppages, he didn't have, from what I can recall, he didn't have one centre clearance. Okay, well, I, I don't know. Not those, that I can think of. I, I don't know those numbers. One set of clearance. So that's a bit strange for someone like that. Um, I wonder if I can find some other numbers. You you go on now. I'll see if I can find some stuff on that. Um, I, I looked at the numbers at halftime, and Bontempelli was, and whether this will surprise you or not, I'm not sure. Bontempelli was ranked number one on the ground for meters gained. We love the, the meters gained stat. Yes, he, we do. Oh, he'd God. already, to halftime, to halftime, he'd already, he'd already racked up over a kilometer gained. So he was over 500 meters gained at half time. And he only he didn't even get he didn't even get to the 700 mark by the by the end mm. of the match. But he was he was having an impact. Whether uh, whether he wasn't winning the ball out of the middle as much as he, he liked, he was it was still it was a tough old game in the in the first half. And I think territory was key. I think territory played a, a big part because it was a bit stop and start and a bit sluggish. And someone to gain over half a kilometer in, in a half of football is, is pretty impressive. Like he was a clear number one on the ground at that point in time. And that suits him best too, because we know he's a long kick. Yeah. He's exceptional long kick and he's out. He's a very penetrating kick too. But uh, again, just touching on those clearance numbers here, this is for this season, of course, minimum two games at the dogs. Um, right. We've got Tom Liberatore for his seven matches on 29, McRae at 21. Then there's a fair drop off, of course, but a, you know, a host of other names, Bonton Pally with 13, Law with 11, and then of course the injured Josh Dunkley with 10, as has Stefan Martin with 10. Here's a strange one though Bailey Smith, just the one center well, clearance from Bailey, the seven games. He hasn't played a lot of center, played a lot of pure midfield though, to be fair to him. Bailey Smith, the first time Bailey Smith has attended a center bounce this year, I don't know how many attended on uh, against Richmond, but I know the first time he attended a center bounce this year was in the last 10 minutes of last week's match against the Giants, just after Dunkley went off the ground. He attended three in the final few minutes of that match, and they were the first he'd attended all season. Had not attended a centre bounce for a month and a half, and this is one of the brightest young midfielders we've got coming through. Admittedly, it's a deep midfield group, but that's very interesting. Not even one. There have been a lot of centre bounces this year because there have been some pretty big scores. particularly He's just had the one centre clearance, though. In seven games, well, you, you can't win. You can't win center um, center clearances if you if you're not part of the center bounce setup. Not so there's all, that to take into account so as well. Um, I wanted yeah, to ask you about. I wanted to ask you about certain players because we've got to we've got to we've got to get through this because um, I've done on the on the player ratings a lot of a lot of good scores because a lot of players played well like um, very you know top of the ground at halftime, faded after halftime, but but weren't bad. But then there were Here some we players who I had... Found your, I found your thing, mate. Uh, uh, Matt, you wanted to talk about... Sorry, I'm uh, not calling you mate, but uh, you want to talk about the Smith clearance. How many starts did he have? He had two in the fourth turn. He had... This is for... By the quarter, okay? So overall, uh, centre bounce combinations. Yeah, okay? just, just how many so, times was he at a centre bounce on Friday night? Okay, all up. Let's have a look. He featured in 14 centre bounce combinations, 11 of those on the wing. So three on the inside. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, no. The, the, so, ignore, the center, ignore the wing. The wing is not part of the centre bounce. So he had two He had two in the final quarter. Yep. And he would have had probably well, one on another occasion somehow throughout the game. But yeah, so he had uh, two three. In, the, in the final term. But three, yeah, all three up. I don't know what the third one was though. So six in two games, 
didn't have one last week until Dunkley came off. And then only three. I prefer him on the outside, but I, I just find that very interesting. And I, I thought he had a good game, actually. He was one of the players who I thought was, was, was pretty good. I think that was his best game since round one. Bailey Smith. He's sort of been sort of just trudging along a little bit since that mm-hmm. game, but I thought he was I thought he was back to back closer mm-hmm. to his best on mm-hmm. Friday night. Maybe it's maybe I touched it's, on him too. In maybe, the it's the MCG. maybe it's the MCG. Maybe maybe he likes the MCG. Thirty six possessions in round one, but the previous three rounds after round three, that is, he's averaged eighteen point three three touches. And yeah. I've, I've got it on my five things. I've forgotten what the other numbers were, but there's a clear differential in his uncontested ball too, which was at a at a good rate in the first three rounds. So well, maybe the inside game might help him a bit more again. Bulldogs have made wholesale changes in the past fortnight. They made five changes for the Giants game. And then they made four changes for this game against Richmond. Admittedly, three of them, I think three of them were forced changes mm. could be we've had 12 in the past three weeks 12 changes in the past three weeks yeah. i think the numbers are so that's a lot of instability it is it is i don't know what the word is well yeah but yeah instability i think is, is a word does exist As yeah, instability I'll, I'll take that word sure the changes the changes against richmond for the most part you can't do anything about outs with dunkley english john uh vandermeer so they were all forced changes all four of them having to come out for injury of some shape or form. In came Shaki West. Uh, you're gonna help you're gonna have to help me out here with the other two, Nick. Lipinski. Right. Give me a second. Yep, Lipinski. He returned to the and McNeil technically went out. Well, he remained back as the sub, didn't he? So Yeah, this is good. This is where strange, it gets, this is where it gets confusing. There's too many. Yeah, he was he was in and then out, but he was ne- he was never never dropped. out anyhow. Yeah, he was never dropped. Oh, it's escaped me now. That's all right. That's okay. Uh, West, Shaki. Lipinski. Oh, Martin. Stefan Martin returned to the lineup. Mm. No, he was already in the lineup oh, last week, wasn't he? He was in the lineup what last week. What am I talking week? about? Was it uh, Daniel? We're going nuts. Doesn't matter. This no, is something Daniel. we can focus on later. Yeah. We'll focus think, on that later. I think, because, and the first one I want to start off with, but. Well, what we're saying is that there's a lot of changes coming in. So there's a lot of players who've been spending a lot of time in the VFL in the past. A few weeks, a lot who have sort of who have just sort of come in now and starting to. Oh, Nick's. No, was it Nick's Cordy? Thinking. No, oh, it wasn't Cordy. Cordy's name. No, it wasn't. Wasn't Cordy because oh, no, Cordy so came in. Not, Hannon, Hannon, Hannon. So Hannon, forget Hannon. Okay, Hannon. Hannon. There so, we go. Finally. But but Cordy's the one I want to start with. When I'm, I'm so I'm, I've got to go back a bit with with Cordy. So I'm going to start with the way when I was in high school, how I used to create my best 22 and we all as bulldog fans we do this a million times over you know we always sort of get out a bit of paper and write down right, who's the best 22 who goes in who goes out all that sort of stuff i would do that all the time and the first name that i would always write in the back pocket dale morris just be d morris just and and that's just sort of a, a lock and that was it for 10 12 years you just put him there that's fine when zane cordy arrived at the club I know it feels it's. I know it's in hindsight the expectations are unrealistic. But you think about it at the time, you think Dow defender. He was rated well, the, the number one draft pick that year. Paddy McCartan thought he was one of the one of the best defenders mm-hmm. going about. And you think, well, Cordy similar size to Morris, plays a similar position. He's got Morris there to guide him and teach him the art of defending. When Morris goes, Cordy is is the heir to that, and then you can just put him in the in the back pocket for it seemed, 10, 12 it seemed years. Unanimously agreed, didn't it? Yeah, I remember there was a what was it? From, strangely enough, though, because he was pick sixty two. Ironically, I think only one club decided to to bid on him, Fremantle. which was Fremantle. But there was a lot of talk throughout that year and the previous year that he would be a uh, you know a, a top thirty draft pick. So it's a very strange to see him slide all that way into the fourth round for pick sixty two. Which we clearly matched, of course, you know, for that yeah. price. Strange. So, with all that in mind, we've sort of expected that at some stage the big kick on is, is, is going to come for Cordy. Because what I think is, has happened, and, and Cordy's not the only person, but what some of the players I think in recent seasons have been, I wouldn't say victims of, uh, but not what. Guilty, what's, per se? 
uh, yeah, it's it's a tricky word. Maybe guilty might be the the right word. Mm. It's, a bit too getting, harsh, though, but probably. Yeah, but it's it's a lack of competition, and a, and a lack of oh, a lack of threat to to the specific mm. position has allowed some players to go through a season feeling like they're, they're not really in any danger of losing their spot. Cordy's been one, as I said, we've just bonked him in the back pocket and we think, right, well, that's that for 10, 12 years. It's exactly like Morris, you know, and, and he will, he will continue to develop and grow as a, as a player and, and he'll reach maybe not Morris levels, but he'll, he'll get close enough to them to be a fine player for us. There's others as, as, as well who, um, but some of them have now started to find themselves out of the side. Uh, whether it's through just playing in the in the reserves or maybe starting in the reserves and then getting injured, there's a, there's a couple of examples, and you know we, we could we could go through them all. But Cordy's come back after spending the first after spending the first month and a bit in in the reserves. Ahead between him and, and Lewis Young, who would you? pick right now because that that's the debate whether it's Cordy or Young I think I think you, you can't have both of them you got to pick one of them I think just with the the makeup of the side it's again it's a very tricky challenge because look as much as I'd like to see Lewis Young in the side ironically even though he's got the attributes that suggest he can be a good key defender and we're still big on him here at the Salty Bulldog uh, Cordy was probably more equipped to deal with Lynch, that doesn't necessarily mean he was going to succeed as much. I think that if Young was playing on Lynch, it probably arguably might have been worse. But I always tend to focus a lot more on this word for me. You know, there's beverage loves saying the word versatility and, you know, flexibility or whatever it is. I always go with the word scope and promise. And Young still has that scope per se. You know, it might look a lot worse but there's also a greater possibility of having a larger push for success in such things. Okay. You know, the, it's like a, it's a huge gamble that the payoff could be huge, could be big in comparison to, to Cordy, who you, I remember mentioning to me last year, early on anyhow, that's yeah. It seems plugging away for the next five, six, seven years, what's left of his career anyhow, maybe more, but he is what he is. You know, his poor games will still be very similar to his to his best games. And then there might be the odd, you know, B-plus match coming in. But predominantly, it's a lot of, not these, are, of course, attacks because they're footballers and half and they have worked extremely hard to get to that level. But yeah. in comparison to other key defenders, it's dour and it's, you know, C, C-minus type. I still think Young's got more scope to become a regular B-plus footballer. The only problem is his bad games, as evident by his Gold Coast Suns, a match which wasn't against a big big name per se, you know. That was against Corbett in comparison to Cordy versus Lynch. It's probably like a D minus football. Kicked a kicked a bag of three or four, I think, against Collingwood on, on the weekend. He did, not, he did have a good game actually. Not a lot so of I was very pleased for him. Yeah, so it might put it into a bit of perspective. Not a lot it of might, not a lot might. of players, the vast, vast, vast majority of players will fail to get to twenty or thirty games. At AFL level, but I think after that point, if a player gets there, you can you can by that stage tell whether they can make it. Not necessarily whether they will make it, but whether they can make it. Lewis Young has has played seventeen games. I've got it. He's never played more than seven games in, in a season. I would argue that he's never been given a proper opportunity. Barry's Where, debut season. Barry's debut season. Yeah. Whereas Cordy on the weekend played his 87th game. Yeah. He's played That's 80 a... he's played 87 games. It doesn't feel like it, does it? It doesn't feel like he's got to that number. I mean, he could theoretically be at 100 games by the end of the season. And the thing is what what we've seen from Cordy in 2017 as a defender and what we've seen from him at the end of 2020, start of 2021 is very similar. I would say twenty. I'd say last year he was his best season, but I wouldn't say it's when he when he kicked on and took it to the next mm-hmm. level. 
I mean, it was I was probably his best season, but it wasn't an, it wasn't enough of a gulf between that and his previous seasons where you go, ah, right there we go. Now we've got the big jump, like yeah, the supposed um, supposed breakout. Season. Yeah, the break the breakout season. Like I'm trying to think of of a player who's sort of um, done, all right. Well, let's go um, an example of a player who's who's not there. Uh, no, from all right, Caleb Daniel uh, is an example. So he sort of was trattling along, had a bit of promise. But then in the end of 2018, start 2019, the change in position, boom, there it was. Suddenly there's a, there's a change. You see the kick on. Uh, Lockie Hunter started out as sort of that small forward, half forward sort. End of 2015, start of 2016, bang, the kick on. Uh, Jake Stringer sort of meandered as a, as a forward for a couple of seasons when he was at the Bulldogs. And then in 2015, bang, 56 goals, all straight on, all that sort of stuff. Not every player, it, it's not going to be that stark for every player because you think of sort of like Bontempelli, McRae, uh, et cetera. They sort of gradually built. Um, mm. There was along, still along never the a low, there was never a low trough though per se. Their no. And that, and, yeah. That's, that, very and that's, sort rare. Of, that's yeah. exceptionally rare. Yeah. But it's not, you, you're not always going to be able to see the big, big kick on mm. like you, mm. you did with Hunter, with Daniel, with Stringer. But with Cordy, we're still waiting for that. And and the question that you have to ask when he's played 80 games, he's 24, I think now, when is this kick on going to come? When does he take the game? When does he take his game to the next level? Because at 80 games, you would have expected that it be done by now. And I, and I said the same thing about Ed Richards last year. I said, because I think he got, I think he played his 50th game last year, Richards, or if not, he was, he was very close. About that, I'd say so. But but I was sort of saying, well, look, he's around that 40, 50 game mark and he's, you know, he's had a couple of good games. He's shown a bit of promise at stages. Now what we need to see from him is, is taking it up to the next level. We need to see him starting to go, all right, well, now you, I'm going to take on a bit more. How many games? 87? 87 for Cordy, yep. So, and in comparison. Lewis Young's so, played 17. Yep. Of course, so, just for another random one though, Norton's yep. played 60. Yeah. Norton's already played 60 matches. Yeah. Now, I That's mean, incredible. and and the other thing you could say is, I mean, Nort was picked nine, according was picked sixty-two. You, in terms of your investment, I mean, it, it should be expected that Norton is going to have more of an impact sooner than Cordy, and that's fair. Obviously, your better players are going to go higher in the draft, but Cordy stuck on eighty-seven games, and and has been given regular opportunities in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. And now he's back at the side in 2021. And that's fine to give him a go. I don't have a problem with that. But when he's playing in the side consistently for four or five years and he's not taking that next step, and then you've got a guy like Lewis Young who's shown promise but doesn't get a fair go and is only 17 games in, you have to wonder at what point do you decide to go with someone else? Because I'm... I'm, I know you said you think Cordy was better suited. I, I think, and I'm not going to sit here and say Lewis Young would have absolutely toweled up Lynch and Lynch wouldn't have got a kick because Lynch is a great player and, and Young's only played 17 games. But I, I, Young can't have done any worse. And I hate to, to be, be harsh honest. on Cordy because be I really love Cordy. I think he, he plays with so much heart. He plays with so much passion. And it, he's one of those players, particularly as a father's son. Mongol. Yeah. He's got, and, and as a father's son, I want to see all those father's sons succeed. Like, I'm really gutted that Wallace can't get a game at the moment. And I'm really, I was really keen to see Riley West be given a go. And there's excitement about Sam Darcy from uh, Luke's, yep. Luke's kid who's kicked Another 10 goals. five goals the weekend. Yeah. yeah. How great is that? I love father's sons and I really love mm. seeing them do well. Mm. But it and gets bar, to a barge along, we've been the most successful side in having father's sons. So, you know, it's definitely been a great. A talent pool for us absolutely uh but it gets to a point where you, you've got a question like how many more opportunities does it does a player get without taking that next step and when do you pass off that opportunity to someone else i know that was a massive rant about one particular position on the ground but i know the center half back position is a spot of, of intense debate and has been and i think you mentioned now we know why they give the go to gardner Yes, I was just going to touch on that here. So you compare the three, well, the other three key defenders that aren't Alex Keith, because I know people even question to who's our most um, irreplaceable player. People like to say Bonds, you know, sometimes people say Dunks, arguably to Zaren Norton. If Keith goes down, we're defensively screwed, key position-wise. 
Well, so that I makes su- him the most irreplaceable player in that context, unless you decide to swing Norton back, which weakens us immensely up forward. Yeah. But comparing the three defenders, Cordy is not exactly an intercept marker that Lewis Young is. Neither is Ryan Gardner. Ryan Gardner's got the closing speed that both those players don't have. And he's arguably probably got a bit better foot skills than both of those players, or at least he plays within his limitations, as does Cordy. That young tries to probably bite off more than he can chew. There's always a bit of a heart in the mouth type moments when. Is this young or Cordy? Both of them at times, isn't it? But predominantly, strangely enough, young. Cordy, it looks ungangly, but it works somehow. I don't know how it does. But it's a, I, I love, I love, I love Cordy, and it, it's it's difficult for me to to say some of the things that I've, I've sort of said about Cordy. But that kicking action is terrifying, mm. terrifying. People people say the same thing, or even I don't say the same thing. They used to be the same case when Norton was down back. His kicking style was horrendous, but now because he's forward, no one gets to see him do those no. you know, passes across the ground. Now yeah. it's just kick for goal, so you don't get to see that. It looks better kicking it forty-five meters down the line, along the wings, you know, or you know, in front of goal, than it does as a back pocket or centre half back or full back or whatever the heck they all need to play. I vaguely remember Norton's though, but yeah. I vaguely remember Norton's kicking across goal, but for me it felt like everything was sort of going in the in the right direction. It like just everything looked was horrible more, doing so. Yeah. <laughs> Cordy Cordy's kicking just sort of you, I'm not quite sure where he's going. Like I, I know where he wants to kick it, but I don't know where he himself is going when when the kick leaves the boot. But that that's that's my that's my point in in in, in a nutshell. I mean, you, you give Cordy the the job down there for four seasons, pretty much. When do you decide that he, it's not going to work out, or it's not going to kick on to that level that you'd hoped, and and you instead give those runner games to Lewis Young? I mean, what, to be what fair, if we? To be fair, if, Cordy had only come into the side last week. Had so only come into the but Lewis Young was dropped, and I don't understand why. After a very good game the week beforehand. After a very course, good game which is, the week which before. Is, yeah, that exactly. Sums them up actually, it sums them up perfectly, you know. Exceptionally high performance, or who, who the heck knows what's happening. I mean, if he's Lewis played. Young. There's no in between at the moment for If him. he's played seven, but he's played. It's, it's not like he's played 80 games and we're seeing the same thing. No, not over at all. Not again. at all. That, that's we're how still it, big fans of him. Yeah, that's how, it's, that's how it's different. If Young had played 80 games or 100 games, and we're still seeing this, uh, he's brilliant one week, but then the next week he, he plays on a guy that, that kicks four goals. Then I can sort of understand it a bit more. Yeah, because it, it's it's the same argument with Cordy. We're not seeing any change. It's just the same thing still. But Young has played 17 games. Of course, you're going to have those moments where he, he has a great game against Brisbane in very difficult conditions for Tools. He's not at that level the next week. I didn't think he was that bad. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. I didn't think he was that bad. I don't think he was at fault for most of the goals um, that, that I can remember, or even any of the goals. But what, what if we say to Lewis Young, all right, well, this is your opportunity from now until the end of the season. We're going we're gonna to give the run of games to you. And then we, we evaluate where he's at at the end of the season. I mean, Mike, we're going to have to probably arguably do that because... Here's this dreaded term. He is out of contract. So you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to see what he can do fast. I think you have to make okay. a call. You have to make a call between Cordy and Young. And I, I, as harsh as it sounds, I feel like Cordy's had his go. In terms of not not this season, because it's two games, but I mean this is this is three or four seasons now. Mm. And we've I, seen and- the we've seen the 2021 version of Zane Cordy in 2020. 2019 yeah. and most likely parts of 2018, 2018 to 2017 it's, as well. Mm. It's the idea of, and when I said, so, and when it goes back to what I said at the start, putting, just plonking him in the, in the back pocket. Now I've been big on always looking to improve every part of, of the side. Even if, even if it's like, even if you, even if that part of the side is really good, like look at Adam Trelaw, they saw an opportunity to improve the a spot on the team, the, a, a spot in that midfield group. And they and they they took it. Like and he's an improvement on somebody, uh, any any midfielder that's sort of on the fringes, you know, like a Lipinski or, or an Ed Richards or someone like that. Trull was an improvement on that, so they went and improved on it. And if you can improve internally, I think you should do that as well. Now, is would Lewis Young in in seventy games time or sixty games time be an improvement on on Zane Cordy? I would suggest so. 
The why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you give it a go? How are we going to take for those games to happen? Well, it I'm wondering should, how many games you should, we got left? You We've should got, be what, able to knock games? over a dozen of them this season. So 15 matches left minimum. Yep. Touchwood minimum. How many does Young feature in? Well, I think you should feature... See, this is this is the thing. So, so I want because I want to talk about because this actually flows quite on to some quite nicely on some injury news now. Uh, Clean bill of health from Friday night. Fortunately, it's a miracle. Uh, We've got two players potentially coming back this week: Uh, Tim English from concussion and Latham Vandermeer, who's had some persistent back spasms over the past couple of weeks. It forced him out of the match against the Gold Coast. Came back for GWS, and he was out again. So, there's a good chance that both of those guys will come in this week against Carlton. Ryan Gardner, who's the other key back. So it's basically a toss-up between Gardner, Young, and Cordy at the moment. There's only room for one of them, really. Gardner and Bailey Williams is another one. Neither of them are going to come back this week against Carlton, but they're both a chance to return against Port Adelaide next week. And probably the most heartwarming news is that of Toby McLean, who is back in, quote-unquote, full unrestricted training with a view to returning to playing games within the next three to four weeks, which is a, a remarkable recovery given, I think I think both of us sort of went into the year thinking that we weren't going to see Toby McLean. We still had him arguably in our, well, at least I remember, I don't remember if you, I'm sure you did though, in our best 22s because we were judging best 22 personnel, not best available, available 22 per I se. don't think I had him in. I may have had him I, as an emergency. I don't know whether I had him in though. I think I had him on... Worst case, you had him on the fourth flank. Had him on I'm the pretty bench. sure I had him on the flank. But yeah, best case it was on the flank. Worst case it was as one of the four men on the interchange. That's it's interesting too because he adds a different mix as well. That's because we need a couple of high flyers on the forward half too. But then that just that pushes some other players further down the pecking order as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's the depth is still there. Okay, people might be questioning it, saying, oh, it's not good enough now. The, the depth is evidently there. Okay, I mean, you've got Footscray sitting second on the BFL ladder, the crying out loud with 220% or such. You know, they've been a good side for a long They're doing time. All right. There's a lot of ready made players there. It's finding the right players that suit the style of play that we want. And it's like people might say, well, in 2016, a lot of our best football also came with the idea of. Um, one key defender. Okay, so we could do that. Let's go with Alex Keat, for instance, and then we go with five halfbacks in the starting 22. And then you have, you know, an extra one or such on the bench. Yeah. Do you really need five starting half, uh, five players in, in the starting 22 that can play halfback? Now, as much as it filters and helps us play our best style of football, but then defensively, you're still exposed. So it's 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 a hard yeah. balance because you get, the ball's only going to be in one person's hands, you know, at any point in time, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's tricky. A couple of others as well that I feel a bit sorry for, but I do feel like there's going to be a lot of changes again this week. Just just off, not just not necessarily off players coming in. Obviously, we would like to think there'll be at least two changes. I think there may be more though. So you, it will. And I mentioned it in the play ratings. You think the sword? You think the sword's coming? Is it? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I think so. Swinging the axe or whatever it is. Yeah, the axe. Um, it, it like let's be honest. Even the most ardent lover of Josh Shackey will concede that it's gonna. It will take a miracle for him to retain his spot in the side, um, or that they just forget to drop him on the on, on the uh, on the yeah. Saturday. There's that possibility as well. They they just forget to, to to cut him. They forget he's in the side. He kicked an important goal in the last quarter to keep us in it, but he just he didn't impact the game other to that. This is something I found very interesting, actually. I'm trying to recall who wrote up this article for the Mongrel Punt regarding the Dogs of Richmond game. It was not our, um, you know, one of our loyal fans in Alex Doherty, but his name was mentioned within the piece. And the text was that Alex Doherty mentioned that after that goal, that Shaki kicked, that that next 10 minutes or so would be something that makes or breaks his career. You know, can he stand? He's, he's kicked a goal in an important stage and hasn't done a lot, though. But, you know, yeah. and all you need is a good few moments in such games against quality opposition. Like a like a and final quarter against your, Hawthorne. Exactly. You can change your reputation a lot or very quickly. You know, you can burn those credits too, but you can fix it up. And in that next 10 or so minutes, there was not much else left to add to it. Well, that there was, was a couple th- of turnovers, for instance, and maybe a couple of contests that weren't reached. 
I thought his last quarter was the was the was his best quarter. He led up well on a couple of occasions mm. and obviously got the goal, but it's not enough to keep his spot. Johannesson, two kicks. I think that nineteen super coach all. points or something like that. Um Riley West is another one as well, just the five disposals, two points. One super coach point. How does that even happen? How do you even get yeah. one super coach? How do you get more possessions than points? That's impressive it's, in itself. It is, it I must is admit. possible. It is possible. It's impressive. But I but think the almost did it. I think those three are going to struggle to mm. hold their spot on the side. Riley West, I think, may be the, the safest of the three because Jackie was brought in clearly to replace English. English is coming back. Um, that's just a, a straightforward swap. Johansson, this is a, this is a string of of below par form now. What um, about if what about if English? Because there's still a bit of talk. They've got to make sure that he's right, fully right. Yeah. So he should be after this time, bro. But let's say that's not the case. Okay. Let's say yeah. he happens to miss this week. Do you retain Shaki? Do you bring in? Jamara, do you then actually alternate, alternatively bring in Jordan Sweet? Because one of the best players on the ground against us on Friday night was Stefan Martin's direct opponent in Toby Nankervis. Nankervis. And yeah. if he doesn't get a Brownlow vote or such, it's, it's criminal because he was incredible. You know, tormented us on the night in that regard and, and tore us to shreds on many occasions. So do you think out of those three options, if English is not there, so sweet is not retain there. Shaki or Jamara. Or not, or don't even play any of them. Or four, there's your four options. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three, or none. Um, yeah, pretty much. Because I'm trying to think to myself, what would I do provided English is not fit? And still I, keeps us in the best I, hunt. You can't keep Shaki after that. Well, he deserved yeah. his opportunity, but you can't retain him. Um I think and Jamara still can't run out of game. And Jamara, well, well, yeah, we've got we've got a few questions about um about Jamara. In fact, actually, he's only one hundred and ten percent committed. Makes yeah, eleven or whatever I think, it is. I think I think we've answered most of these questions uh, without realizing it. But um, you, certainly a couple of the questions have been about: well, Do we give Jamara a go now? I think it was um, I think it was by our, our favorite uh, debt. So at control underscore shift underscore n, they asked the question about Jamara. Uh, where is it? It was. Uh, oh God, goodness! There's a I can't, lot of can't find. Week. Can't find it now. Uh, so, ah, oh, yes, here. Bruce was shocking. How many more weeks until Mari gets to go? Well, Josh Bruce was another one that we spoke about, that we haven't spoken about actually. I thought Bruce was different in that it wasn't a lack of effort because he got to a lot of marking contests. He just, just did. He just wasn't reading it. And I don't know, what do you think of Bruce? Because he's third of the common. He's kicked 20 goals. He's kicked, obviously, he's kicked 10 of them against uh, North Melbourne, which means he's kicked 10 in the other six matches. Which I'll, which I'll take to an extent, considering at times this season, he generally hasn't been the key took about, target. Took about he's 20 still games been, to get there last year. He did indeed. It took a long time. But so this year, of course, clearly that's... So I'm just laughing at something else, but clearly Norton's the number one target. I'm just looking at yeah. uh, some of the trends on Twitter whilst reading the questions. What's happening in Australia at the moment? Hashtag stupid fat idiot. Okay, I just have to put that out there. Okay, that made me laugh. Um, uh, yeah, these questions are even another one too from Debt at Control underscore Shift underscore N yep. regarding Anthony Scott. And he actually was quite good to be fair. To that me. was his best game, Scott. His pressure, particularly in the first half, very impressive. Uh, no, he's, a lovely snap too. Yeah, lovely so snap. he's he's Good starting finish. to find his feet a little bit now. He's start, I think he's starting to to feel like he belongs a bit more in 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 the AFL climate, and I think we're starting to see that he's got he's he he's got confidence from that as a result. I thought he was I thought he was good. I gave him a I gave him a seven because like a lot of the Bulldogs after halftime, he, he went out of the match. But his first half, his first quarter in particular, I thought because he was sort of playing more as a forward and. I was sitting in the forward, which is what he should be doing. That's exactly what he should be doing because he's made a killing out of it at VFL level, whether it's for Richmond or for Footscray or whatever VAFA club he's played for as a mid forward. But sorry, rephrase that as a forward Forward mid. mid. No, I thought he was good. Uh, McNeil comes back in for West, or do we persist? I didn't think he played terribly; he just couldn't get near it. And and against Richmond, you don't blame him. Has taken it to another level in VFL Mm. in the last few weeks. I think we give him. Some time, what do you think? Well, I, I, I think he's the safest of those three names that I mentioned. 
In fact, I, to be honest, it's four names. It, it's Cordy, Shaki, Johannesson, West. I think Cordy's mm-hmm. going to. I think Cordy's going to struggle to keep his spot because if, if Lynch had kicked straight in the first half. Oh God! Don't don't even. Well, I think that's it's so ironic that's, that that's that the Jason only wrote a piece about him too. It just yeah. had to lead right into it. That's the only thing that that sped Cordy's blushes in the first half. He had five scoring shots. He had twelve mm-hmm. marks. He just he dominated. He really and a couple dominated. of sodas missed too. Yeah, I think regarding one West, shots. I think regarding West though, because we've seen it with other players, of course, with with Williams and such. You know, where they try to say try to do too much. What they get away with at VFL level, for instance, you know the, the strength of the players and such, where they bite off more than they can chew. Whether that's holding onto the ball an extra second or two, much longer, it seemed like that was the case with West on Friday night. He probably underestimated the amount of pressure and perceived pressure that was coming upon him. You know, in comparison to what can be delivered sometimes at the VFL from other players. So I do see that, regardless with him, who will still forge a decent career for sure, and I think he'll pick up the tools of the trade in, in this department and catch into the speed of AFL and especially not just AFL, but the speed of actually what that's finals football, that's finals pressure, which is what Richmond completely delivered. That'll do him a world of good for sure. So now he knows, you know, it doesn't mean he's going to um, rush his disposals per se to get rid of it next time. But he's got to get the ball, of course, a bit more, but that won't be the case next time, I don't think, because he still seems to be one that wants to Maybe not always take the first option. He wants to try to wait and see if there's something better because he's got good vision. We know that for sure. Yeah. But and like Shaggy, he, he deserves to try his to take on the more. Yeah, he did. He did. He's been in yeah. ripping form with the AFL. He just needs to maybe understand you can't take on everyone, mate. No. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. VFL, yes. AFL, not for now. What's happening? What's happening with Vandermeer is back. He's been quiet this season, but clearly our best small, fast, high pressure force. A lot of adjectives in that role. And uh, that's again from Det. Well, we so he's had some back spasms. It's forced him to. He's been a bit of an out of the side since he's had them, but uh, I think he's he's on track to come back this week. Uh, surprised Bevo didn't play sweet last week instead of Shaki. Shaki kicked five against the Gold Coast Reserves team that lost by 100 the following week against GWS. He didn't really do much. Why bring him in? That's actually a good question as well. He has been wasn't brought in after the, the five goals, four against the Gold Coast Reserves, but was brought in after kicking one goal, two against the, the Giants. I suppose it was uh, I suppose it was a necessity to, to bring somebody in because of English going out. And I think they just went with with Shaki. Just on Shaki's competition, Jamara Hugel Hagen. Um, got a. What were your thoughts on Bevo's rant? Very well vindicated. I'm actually. I was really impressed. He seems to be a lot more. Uh, well, he's always articulate. He's always a very intelligent man, and I'm sure many people that listen to, uh, for instance, SE, and they see Craig Jennings, one of the football analysts, on there on his on his segment that he features on, he always tends to use Bevo as as a reference when it comes to football IQ. So, of, of course, it's not relating to the IQ department, okay, footy-wise, no. but it, it's rather and truly vindicated, you know. it's It'd be annoying. And you can understand it perfectly. If something's been brought up to you or to the club's attention, whoever's attention it is, on several occasions, you know, he does presses on, what, the Thursday in the lead-up to the game, does post-match press conference, and he'll do a rundown for how things have gone, you know, on the Monday afternoon, Tuesday, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. So that's three opportunities that he has, you know, um, the chance to face the media and, and discuss his thoughts or whatever the media's thoughts, what they wanted to talk about. And yeah, you, you can, you can understand it perfectly clear there if it happens that frequently and it's been going on for the past month or so. Yeah. Um, and even leading up for the whole time. So no, I, I, I support him in that. And he, he didn't go that hard at him. No. I, I think he was actually very, very cool despite showing that aggression. It was it was very assertive, but it wasn't um, over the top. It was quite controlled. Yeah. I don't know what your qualifications are, Nick. I know you've got some. Um, speaking from, from my personal experience as, as a qualified journalist, not as an employed one. I thought we were going to talk about, for instance, Vandermeer's back. I was going to say, I've got a certificate three in sports recreation. That's the best <laughs> I've got. <though. laughs> no, not, not Vandermeer's back. I just sent him to the, uh, oh, to, to, um, to a chiropractor for that and just figure it out from there. With, with, with the, the idea of practicing journalism, it's, it's fair enough to ask the question, having done research, 
But when, and I, and I don't want to be too critical of, of, of the, the journalist because no. I'm sure he wouldn't be the, I'm sure he wouldn't be no. the only person that, that no. went about it in this way. No. But if, I'll give him credit for recognizing he did admit I did yeah. not research or he said that himself, sorry. So I'll give him credit for that. So yeah. to call him, to get called out, but accept it. Uh, yeah, I, I think if, you, if you're going to go and ask a question, you've got to have done prior research. And I think the fact that he hasn't, Check the team sheet firstly. He hasn't listened to the most recent interview either where the question was already answered. I just Checking think the it's, team sheet takes five seconds. Yeah. Go to I, the app and click on it. I see the team sheet every week um, because I've got to do the graphic and I'm just going to put a warning out to, to Luke Beveridge now. I know what you're up to, Luke. I saw Rourke Smith's name on the emergency list. He hasn't played a game at AFL, VFL level up until this weekend. I know what you're doing. I know you're a fan. You're trying to just sort of slip him back in there and, you know, hope no one notices. I These see the, are the team exact same words you mentioned on Friday night. I see the team the sheet same. every week, Luke. I saw Rourke Smith's name. I know what you're up to. I got my eyes on you, Luke. Don't worry about that. Mm. The I, real question is, will Mitch Honeychurch get a chance in the mid-season draft? Maybe. Well, That's the real it. exclusive, though. Oh, yeah, well, I'll keep... I'll, well, you'll, you'll, I'll, you'll, you'll be the second to know after me if that does happen. I think though you, you and if you're not gonna if you're not gonna if you don't know about those sorts of things, I think you've got to be particular about the questions that you ask. I mean, if if you don't see the team sheet, all right, and you just if you don't see the team sheet, so you don't know the ins and the outs, you've got no idea about you've not listened to any of the the press conferences during the week or kept up with any of the news, and then you watch the game of Friday night, what's the first question you would have asked about the team? For me, because I'm a bit different, though, I would have wanted to find out what his thoughts were exactly on what happened in that third term. No. Why was that? That's me. I, that's what I would ask. Personally. No. The, the first question I would have asked, if I've not done any research, why didn't Josh Dunkley play? Oh, no. Well, you could talk, Oh, God. You could have also probably asked about the timeline. Where was Tim English? Show, and not just Tim English. Where was Will Minson? Oh, he's retired. Who is Will Minson? That one pretty much. Ex exactly. Yeah. exactly. See, I thought you were talking a bit. I thought you were going a bit more serious. No, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, like, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Break it down yeah. to the very basic fundamentals. If you're not, if you're not paying attention to the team news, then and you're not listening to the press conferences, you're mm. not keeping up to date. Mm. Why? Why did you not ask where Dunkley was? Mm. Now it's a, it's a. Was he now, at the Essendon Football Club? That's the real thing. Obviously, you have to it's ask a, that question. Instead. Obviously, it's a big tongue in cheek because Dunkley's a star player in the competition. We all saw the incident on television. Uh, you know, you don't have to. You didn't have to really go out of your way to find out what was going on there. Um, it, it's just a really extreme example of the fact that if you're, you know, what sort of questions you ask, mm. well, you're especially not in this attention. age of social media too, isn't it? I think a better question to ask would have been, uh, and it still would have involved, you know, Jamara's non-selection, but why Shaki over Jamara ultimately? Because we were able to sort of sit here and speculate, you know, and, uh, and we sort of heard from, you know, other journalists that, you know, it was about, oh, Shaki being the backup rock and all that, but we never really heard it from the Bulldogs themselves, or certainly from Beveridge, why Shaki and not Jamara? Um. I thought that would have been a good question to ask. Anyway, we've got to we've got to rattle on because we're definitely going to go well over time uh, today. Let's, let's push along. Mate. Let's let's talk let's talk about Footscray uh, firstly because they had a good win. So they're three in a row over the Northern Bulldogs. So 12, 18, 90, inaccurate, very inaccurate to uh, six, eleven, forty seven Northern Bulldogs. Bedendo kicked three goals. I like I like Bedendo. I like him a lot. Waitman and Ruben William. William, sorry, each got a couple. Kavara, Sweet, there's that name, Eugle Hagen, Glass, McCasker, and Garcia all kicked goals, in, in, all, all kicked single goals. Uh, Garcia's goals, fantastic. I don't know how much of the game he saw. That's but one name. That is one name I'm very intrigued on I think he, I think he's closing in, Garcia. I he had 20 he disposals as well. Um, now, I don't know about the numbers. Nick, you tell me that they've, you know, that they they, they oh, just God. went, they went and grabbed I've the pie halfway during the, during the third term. So they, they stopped counting stats. Apparently, Will Hayes got 30 disposals. I think some of the records say 24, but Nick's telling me he got 30. Uh, Wallace, 28. Go. Lewis Butler, Here we go. 25. I found them all entirely now. Oh, Thank good. You. Run them through, Nick. Run yeah, me through so the top yeah, five got, here. All right, so for disposals, we've got Will Hayes at 30 with 23 uncontested and 14 handball receives. We've got Mitch Wallace with 29, 16 contested, 14 uncontested, as well as 11 clearances, two from the centre. So he was very dominant and around the ground. We've got McComb, 
Who else have we got? He was on 26. Uh, of course, not an AFL to play, but 11 marks. So rather impressive there for the non-AFL to footballer. Lewis Butler, who was an emergency, wasn't he, for the Giants game? He had 24 69 contested, as well as seven handball receives. You know, he's got a fair bit of leg speed about him too. So that's another player potentially that might be that uh, medical sub option. Uh, your boy, Cody Waitman. Just 19 the touches. Real. 19 touches. Where is his marks? How many marks did you take? 11, as well as two goals, four two and goals two four assists. That That's is a very a, pleasing day at the office for him. It's going to be one of those things. Anytime Cody Waitman does, and I don't know if we mentioned this on the podcast last week, anytime Cody Waitman does anything good, we're just going to say, just add it to the real. Add it to the real. All right. And we've also got, real. not on the part of our intro, things. actually. It's part of our it, intro. It can be. We might no, as well it is. It is. It, it is, is part, part of, of, part of yeah, the segment. Yes. Just add the, the, I mean, a lot of listeners listen, they hear it every week. That uh, the Waitman's uh, come through and got another one. We got Cody Rack, who was number 71. Probably is number 71, but it's an interesting thing. Uh, so 10 touches there, seven marks, six of those uncontested. So, and four rebounds, 50. So, of course, that's our NJ, as was it, NGA uh, product. Now, Nick, just before we, we've, we've probably got to, we've probably got to wrap it up just about there. Um, just finally, your changes. What changes do you reckon for Carlton this week? They would oh, all be God. forced. Oh, right, so let's, yeah, they, they, no, sorry, yeah. they would be all be unforced rather because it's a clean bit of bill of health as far as we're aware. Uh, English and Vandermeer, as we said, both right, likely so that's to be ready. In. If provided they're fit, that's two in. No whips, no buts. No Williams, no Gardner. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly next week. So there's so they won't be available. We'll assume they're not available. Um, so those two in, we, we're saying English and Vandermeer. Mm. Who goes we're out? Back under the, we're back under the roof, aren't we? Who goes, who goes out? Unfortunately, we'll have to probably be. As much as I said, you mentioned it too, and I've been a big fan of him as well. <clears throat> Sorry, I've just lost my voice. Uh, uh, of course, it would have to be probably Shaki, which is really strange. And you've been a bit hard, uh, a bit heavy on Cordy this week. So I'd actually be going for three changes to come in, of course. So that would be young for, for Cordy, English for Shaki. The question is, who goes out for Vandermeer? And I'm trying to wonder, do we potentially make it, do we make it McNeil or do we make it JJ? Because McNeil, he's been strangely managed twice in two weeks now. But mm. it was a bit harsh to, to delegate into the medical side because he was pretty good against the Jones. It was good in most, in, in almost the, the whole match. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, maybe I am, well, I say I'm, I don't know if I am being too harsh on Cordy. I might be certainly. I could understand if people think I am. Mm-hmm. I just Let's feel like because I, I, I feel like that this is not one performance though. No, it's the same. Like this before. is this not, is not, this not is, the hammering. Not, yeah, not but the, this is not the eight goals, eight shots no. on goal. But yeah, it's this repetitive. Is, we yeah, know the story a, before. It's a culmination of, of three or four years. And he, he's you know, and he's got his uses, Cordy. He's 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 a chaos player. Mm-hmm. He's a, he, he is an agent of chaos. We've Boy, seen what type of habit yeah. he can cause. Yeah, the question things, is, though, things happen you at, you, when he's got the ball, but they're not like a they're not a sort of things happen when Bontempelli has the ball sort of thing. It's a it's a little bit mm. it's yeah. a little bit of a different things happen. Mm. <laughs> it's sort of like Homer Simpson trying to make breakfast, and you know the cereal bowl you know lights up into fire. Oh, what a great mean, scene that is! Now you're being mean. I'm trying. Oh, to, I, I, had, I had to throw <laughs> a Simpsons reference in there somehow. You're just trying to uh, be but it's, mean. it's a strange thing. So what have we got? We've got. Uh, I'm so, I, am I am sorry, Zane. I really do like him, but we do, we do yeah. indeed. Mitch McGovern won't be uh, playing this week. Now it's not exactly a, an out levels, a huge loss for the Blues. If anything, that actually might contribute a bit more for their starting twenty-two. But we've got to make that work out. So Harry McKay. So, so who also there are the key so what, forwards. So what what do you reckon then? So you reckon it's it's English, Vandermeer, and. Young, I want to have I want, I want Young to come back in for because Cordy, I do want to see Shaki and I'm trying to figure Johannesson. out the last one. I'd, yeah, well, they can't drop they can't to, drop no, they can't drop McNeil because he's no. not in the 22. No. If they're gonna if they're gonna play JJ as a forward, which they, which they did to the back end of last year, which still is bewildering to me because uh, considering his record at the MCG in the previous five games, you know, it said he can play at this ground and then for them to just have him as a particular. Marking, marking target, crying out loud. He wasn't even used as a pressure forward, per se. Looked very strange. He is doing a different role, of course, but it, it, it's 
it's not his go. It's not his go. If they can't play him on the halfback, well, then it's to the wing. And if it's not the wing, well, then it's uh, into the VFL. Well, I think they better so, better better wrap it up for another week. We've gone a bit over time. And apologies to all of those who thought we were only going to go for an hour. But thank you for listening to this point. But as I said, it's going to do us for another week. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you know, games where we actually managed to win, uh, you can listen to those by just typing in the Salty Bulldog into the search engine for wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, Apple Podcasts and Spotify being the two main ones. You can also check out all the latest Bulldog news, uh, also all the latest Salty Bulldog podcasts and articles by searching our social media pages on Twitter at the Salty Bulldog, Instagram, the.salty.bulldog, our website, www.saltybulldog.wixsite.com forward slash home, or just by typing in the Salty Bulldog into Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Nick Glare, I want to thank you uh, for, for joining myself, Matthew Don, as you do every other week. To our, listeners, a pleasure. to our listeners, wherever you've been around the world, we do thank you for tuning in. And until next week, take care.